Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Today, as you get your Bibles out, go with me to Acts, the 21st chapter. This is the story of us. It's the story of you and the story of me, not just the history of the early church or what happened in the life of the Apostle Paul, but really lessons for our lives here and now today. If you remember last time we were together, we had a subject called Caught in the Will of God. Today, we're in a part number two. Now, don't worry. Maybe if you missed last week, don't worry about it. Today's message will stand on its own, and we'll review a bit so that you can catch up to right where we're at. The Apostle Paul had been prophesied to that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was going to have chains and tribulation. We find that this happens to him when he arrives there. He's doing what he should be doing. He's submitted to authority. He's walking in obedience. He's doing the right thing in the right place. He's there at the right time, and yet bad things happen to him. The wrong thing comes about, and he gets caught there in the house of God. And here we pick up the story in Acts chapter number 21. They're taking him towards the barracks, and this happens in Acts chapter 21. And I'm going to start reading in verse number 37 down through verse number 40. Let's take a look at it together in Acts 21, verse 37. It starts out, it says, Then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I speak to you? He replied, Can you speak Greek? Verse 38, Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? Now that sounds like a movie that I'd want to go watch, doesn't it? That sounds like something you'd want to go see too. Verse number 39, But Paul said, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I implore you to permit me to speak to the people. Verse number 40, So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, saying, and then it goes on to say that Paul told his testimony. Reads much like Acts chapter number 9, where Paul talks about how he was on the road to Damascus, has an encounter with Jesus. He's blinded by the light of his presence. There, Jesus reveals himself to him, and he receives him as his Lord, and he's led down into the city, and a man by the name of Ananias comes and lays his hands on him and prays for him, and the scales fall from his eyes. How he testified in uh, the place where he was at in Damascus and had to be let down by a basket out of the wall because they sought to persecute him, and he goes to Jerusalem, and eventually there's a plot against his life, and he gets sent away. Now, as I read this, I find it interesting that Paul is preaching to the mob that just recently wanted to murder him and telling them about his life and telling them about his Jesus. See, even though Paul was caught, and we know that he was caught in the will of God, now Paul turns it around and he tries to catch others into the will of God. See, we think of that calling that Peter had as, I will make you a fisher of men, as singular and individual only to Peter, and yet I find that throughout the scriptures, if we really understand the will of God for our life, we will realize that God has called all of us as Christians to be fishers of men. And so we're called to catch them. But we got to know how to catch them. And there are some principles that I see in order to catch them here in Acts chapter number 21 that the Apostle Paul used that you and I here today, here and now, that we can use in our lives. To catch them, there's got to be some things that happen. First thing is this, is to catch them, you've got to stand in Christ. See, Paul, it says, was standing on the stairs when he started to tell his testimony. Notice, uh, I've got some stairs right here in front of me. See, Paul would have been on a, a level with everyone else, with the mob. And they were taking him to the barracks, and he has a conversation and says, can I speak to the people? And he says, yes, you can. And Paul took his stand on the stairs. See, Paul was elevated. He stood up above the rest. Does it mean he was better than them? No. Does it mean he was superior? No. 
It just meant that he had to be lifted up to a place in order to project to the people. See, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis that Jacob laid down and had a dream at the house of God. And there, when he had that dream, he saw a ladder ascending to heaven, and there were angels ascending and descending upon that ladder. Later on, Jesus starts to speak to his disciples, and he says, and you shall see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, Jesus just revealed to the people who he is. He says, I am that ladder. I am that stairway that's going to get you up and elevated into a place with God where you have a platform now to speak to the people. You can't elevate yourself. You can't preach yourself. You've got to preach Christ Jesus the Lord. You've got to stand in him when you speak to the people because you can't catch him on your own. You can't catch him when you're on the same playing field of them. No, you've got to have a position that you stand. You know, the position we stand in is called righteousness. It is the position that we've been given with God. We are in right standing with God. But it's not only a position, it's also a practice that we do God's will God's way. That's what righteousness really is. It's the old English word, the right wiseness, the, the wisdom of God that he's given for our lives, that we would know the will of God and that we would do the will of God. See, because I've heard people say at times, well, in order to speak to people about Jesus, you've got to relate with the people. And I absolutely agree. And we'll talk about that in this message today. But you don't want to relate with them so much that you dive into their flood of dissipation with them. Sometimes people say, well, you've got to know about their lives. You've got to understand them. And so, you know, I've heard people say, well, I watch MTV in order to understand the youth. And I, I go out there and I watch the movies that people are watching. I watch the television shows that they're watching. I need to know what's going on and I need to be relevant to the culture and the society. So I listen to the music that they listen to. But Jesus said something to us and he warned us about this. Because if you watch every television show... If you watch every movie, if you listen to all the music that people are listening to out there, Jesus said, if you put darkness in, beware, because the eye is the lamp of the body, and if you're putting darkness in, then it's going to be darkness on the inside, and how great is that darkness? You're not going to pick anyone up from that position. They're going to pull you down. And so you got to take a stand in Christ. You got to say, I'm not doing that. I'm going to put light in. I, I will understand that, listen, this is the place that I minister from, not from the same places that, you know, if they look at your life and you're a mess, they see that you're drinking with them, they see that you're snorting with them, they see that you're jumping into bed with everybody, they see all those things in your life and they're going to say, You're no different than me. Why should I change? What do I need Jesus for? My life's already a mess. I don't need him to mess up my life too. I don't need your God. See, we can't minister to people from that same position. We have to take a stand in Christ. Is anybody listening? People say, well, you got to relate with their pain. You know, I've never had a doctor tell me that I broke my arm in order to fix someone else's arm. Never happened. I remember one time I went to the doctor. I had strep throat. I didn't know it. But every time I swallowed, man, pain all through my neck. This was pre-COVID. The guy comes in with mask, a face shield, a, you know, the full gown, all that kind of stuff. And when he walked into the room after taking a, a throat swab, he walked into the room like this. Like, let's say this is the wall in the doorway. He walked in like this. And he stood in the corner of the room and he looked at me from across the room and he says, you've got strep throat and you're contagious. I've written you a uh, prescription, and he put it on the table, and he slinked out of the room like that and got out of the room. Now listen, he was the doctor. He took care of my needs. He gave me what I needed to get healthy, but he wasn't jumping into that strep throat with me because he didn't want to have pain every time he swallowed. 
See, it's the same thing with us. Why would we want to dive into the evil things of the world so that we could relate with them? It doesn't add up. You've got to take a stand. You've got to live the elevated life to where you can minister from that place where you can project the goodness of God and show them the way, and his name is Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 4, 2 through 4 in the New Living Translation, Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 2, starting out, he says, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. Anybody else remember the title of today's message? We're talking about being caught in the will of God. You'll be anxious to do the will of God. Verse 3, you've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Verse number four, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. They look at you and they go, hey, got something for you. And you say, no, I'm done with that. They say, what? You used to be cool. Man, you used to kick it. You you used to like this. You you snorted everything. In fact, you're the one that got me doing that. And they're surprised and then they start to slander. Oh, you think you're better than us now, huh? Well, oh, I see how it is. I had one pastor that was ministering at a meeting I was at one time, and he was talking about his early life as a Christian and how he didn't understand this principle. And he thought that in order to relate to people, he had to talk like them, and so he would use curse words, and he would use profanity and, 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 and crude terms and that sort of a thing in his language, all the while telling people about Jesus. And, and he related this story when he was talking to a young woman about Jesus, and she stopped him, and she says, listen, I can't hear your words about Jesus above your profanity. And it just so deeply impacted him that at that moment, he said, I I just purposed in my heart, man, if she can't hear my words about Jesus, that's what's important. I need to clean up my mouth. And he stopped cursing. He stopped the profanity. And now today, here he is ministering from that place of the elevated life. He's standing in Christ on that position. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, this time in the New Living Translation, says, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Some of the translations say on the day of visitation. Now, that could be judgment day, or that could be a day that God shows up in their life. And listen, if you have been living honorably among them and not jumping into the things that they do, they will see that your life is different. And when they hit rock bottom, they're going to say, you know what? I've got nowhere else to go but up from here, but I don't know the way up. But you know what my neighbor does? You know what my, 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 my son or my daughter, my brother does? Uh, you know, my coworker who's been trying to share Jesus with me every day at lunch, when they got their Bible out, I've rejected them. But you know what? They know what's going on. And the Bible says they will glorify God on the day of visitation. Wow. That's amazing. One of our members uh, was sharing with me that when he started work at a new company, one of his coworkers was just ruthless and would call him names and put him down. I can't even repeat the name that he would call him. He changed his name to, to mean uh, a different part of the human body, okay, the, the, the anatomy, that sort of a thing. And so he would call him that name. For years he did that. And eventually this person had someone in their life that got very sick and they knew that they needed prayer for this person because they couldn't help them in the natural. And so they turned, don't you know, to this person that they'd been mean to all of these years. And they said, look, you've been consistent over the years. You have taken all of my abuse, but I have a need. Would you pray for them? And he said, absolutely, we'll pray for them. And God showed up and started to do miracles in their life. See, they will glorify God on the day of visitation. Can anybody give the Lord a praise today? So to catch them, you got to stand in Christ. Second thing is this, to catch them, you got to speak their language. 
Pastor, you just talked about not cussing. I'm trying to give that up. Well, listen, we're not talking about that. Give it up, all right? But see, Paul shocked the commander when he spoke Greek. And he silenced the people, and then he spoke to them in Hebrew. And while we never compromise our position and practice, we still should be able to find the way to relate the message to where people we minister to can hear it. See, we, do, we never compromise our message. It's always that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross, that he was buried and raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and he's now seated at the right hand of God in the highest place and position of authority and power, that he is Lord over all. See, that's the message. But when we relate it to others, we need to understand how we can adapt it to meet their needs because sometimes people won't be able to hear what you're saying if they've got a pain point in their life or they've got something that's bugging them or maybe they've got a question. And so we have to minister to them individually. See, Paul wrote that he became all things to all men, but beyond that, he ministered to people on a personal level. And he ministered to them differently according to their needs. Paul was one way in the synagogue and another way in the city. Paul was one way with the Jews and another way with the Gentiles. He was one way with Lydia by the riverside and another way with the Philippian jailer in the middle of the night. See, Paul understood that his audience, as the audience changed, that he had to adapt the message to them, not compromise the message. It's the same message, but he's going to wrap it up in a different package that they can receive. Speaking of this, there's been some fantastic business failures over the years that have taught us this principle. Clary all introduced the mist stick, which was a curling iron, into Germany, only to find out that mist is slang for manure in German. Not too many people had use for a manure stick in their house. Pepsi's come alive with the Pepsi generation was translated, Pepsi brings your ancestors back from the grave in Chinese. And when Coca-Cola was introduced, depending on the dialect, it either meant you can bite the, white, bite the wax tadpole or you can fill a female horse with wax. So Coach decided they were going to research 40,000 characters in the Chinese languages to find a phonetic equivalent of Coca-Cola translated into happiness in your mouth. See, we got to know the audience that we're speaking to. We have to know the individual that we're talking to. We need to know the background and the the surroundings of their life and the things that they're going through. Here's a slogan for all of us when it comes to speaking the language of the people. Are you guys ready for this? I think this is a good one for us to introduce into the church. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Can I put it to you like this? Love them. Many times people say, Pastor, my, my, my child, they've just gone crazy. I don't know what happened to them. When they were young, they were so sweet and they were so wonderful. And then they became a young adult and they started to get independent, get out there, and they just lost their mind. They're doing all kinds of horrible things, and I just don't know how to reach them. And every time I try and talk to them about Jesus, they say, don't preach to me. What do I do? And I say this, love them. Love them. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, very first three words, first sentence, love never fails. Love them. Well, does that mean that I let them, you know, bring their boyfriend and their girlfriend and sleep around in my house? No, it doesn't. Love does not mean approval. Hello? Well, they've got an alternative lifestyle. Does that mean that I need to accept that? No, love does not mean approval. Love means personal self-sacrifice for the betterment of someone else. It means that you're ready to serve, that you're ready to love, that you're ready to pray for them, that you're ready to be there for them when they realize that the lifestyle that they're in is not working and that they need a change, that you're ready there to embrace them. It doesn't mean approval, but it does mean that, hey, guess what? I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. There's a standard in my house because of love, because I love you and I wouldn't want you to destroy your life. 
The standard is still here, but guess what? We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to sit down and I'm going to find out about your life. I'm going to relate to you. I'm going to love you where you're at so that as you grow and as you change, guess what? I'm not going to judge you, criticize you, and condemn you to death. No, I'm going to love you to life, to the life of Jesus Christ. Why? Because from my position, I can see where you're at and I can relate the word of God to you in your life. See, where are they at? How can you bring the message in that environment and how can you love them from the position that you're in? See, these are the questions we need to ask when we look at the people around us because people are going through so much these days and you never know the context of the life that God is leading in front of you that you can minister to. So, Take your stand in Christ. Speak the language of the people. Last one is this. If you're going to catch them, stick to God's plan. Stick to God's plan. There was a golfer who went out on one of the holes, and he was getting ready at the tee box to tee off. It's a beautiful par three. Had a lake on the side of the green there, and he realized, my goodness, that's a water hazard. And I'm not that good at these holes. You know, I need to maybe not use the new ball that I have. I'm, I'm going to get the old ball just in case I lob it over there into the water and lose my ball. I don't want to lose the new ball. I'll lose the old ball. And so he's reaching into his pocket to grab this old ball, and all of a sudden he hears the voice of God say, use the new ball. He looks up and he says, Lord, is that you? He says, yeah, go ahead. Use the new ball. So he puts the new ball on the tee, and he lines up to hit the ball, and he hears the voice of God again. Take a practice swing. Okay. He backs off the ball a little bit and starts feeling good, starts feeling confident, lines up on the ball again, and all of a sudden he hears the voice of God, use the old ball. See, we need to stick to the plan of God. Apostle Paul, as he's telling his testimony, recounts some things, and we get a little bit more inside information about what took place when he met up with Ananias. In fact, Ananias was like Paul's SPT. He encouraged him. He came alongside him. Help them to get consistent in the way of God. And, and where in Acts chapter number 9, we didn't get these words, we find out what Ananias said to him. In Acts chapter 22, take a look at verse number 14 and verse number 15. Acts twenty-two fourteen, 14, Ananias is speaking. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. we got to stop right there because remember, this is not the story of Paul. This is the story of us. And some of you guys coming into church today, you didn't realize that the God who created the heavens and the earth the God who spoke planets into existence, the God who knows each and every system on the planet, every ecosystem, every solar system in the universe, that God knows every system of your body. He knows the number of hairs on your head and that that same God, he knit you together in your mother's womb and that God himself, knowing you, knowing where you'd be at, knowing that you'd be born in this day and in this age, knowing that today that you would come into the back door of this church and you'd find a seat and maybe you didn't find a seat up front because you feel so bad about what you did last Last night, but guess what? God knew that today you were going to come into his house, that you were going to come and sit in his living room, and God knew that you'd be sitting there feeling the way that you feel right now, and yet God says you are not an accident. You are not the product of a drunken one-night stand. You are not the product of divorce. You are not a product of your surroundings. No, you are a product of the Holy Spirit working. I made you, and I love you, and I brought you to this place at this time. Today is a divine appointment for your life. Why? Because I have chosen you. If you were to line up the teams and the team captains started picking people, you wouldn't be last. You'd be first on God's list. God chose you. God chose you. 
You're standing there in the army, standing there in your job waiting for a promotion. You'd be the one that God's looking at. God has chosen you. You felt the rejection of man. But guess what? God chose you. What did he choose you for? Let's take a look. It says, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will. We're talking about being caught in the will of God. How can we know his will? Look at what he says. And to see the just one. Do you know that you can see God? By faith, you can see the invisible God. But not just see him in his deeds on the earth. See him in your life and in the surroundings of the things that take place. Not just see him in creation, but you can see him as he is. That God is the just one. Why is that important? Because in our life, if we look too long at the things that are taking place on the earth, we will get the wrong idea about God. We'll think that God is unjust. Why? Because there's suffering in the earth. Things that take place that we don't understand. Tragedies that happen to us. Pain points that we say, God, why? I don't get it, God. God, I thought that you were good. Why are people suffering? Why is there all this sex trafficking? Why did my neighbor get on drugs and ruin his life? Why is this happening, God? And yet, when you start to know God's will, and when you see God, but not just see God, see him as he is, you'll realize that at the end of all this, that even though we may receive nothing but evil on this earth, that there's a day coming where God will settle all accounts and God himself will repay. He said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And that God is patient. Why? He's not willing that any should perish. And you see the love of God and you see the grace of God and you see Jesus on the cross dying for the sin of the world. Past, present, and future. And God loved us with such a great love that he would open the way to heaven even though we deserved hell. You start to say, God, no matter what happens on this earth, God, I declare that you are just. So the God of our fathers has chosen you that you would know his will, that you would see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. You want to know how you're going to know God's will for your life? It's in the hearing of God's voice. But that doesn't happen in the midst of all the distractions that are going on in our lives. We've got every attachment right there in our pocket called our cell phones. We know how many steps we've taken. We know how many things we've eaten. Why? Because we posted them all on the internet. My goodness. I got off social media because I got tired of seeing everybody's lunch. Everybody knows how much weight you've lost and how you're killing it on the job and what vacation you took, all that kind of stuff. It's a different day. It's a different age. We are overwhelmed with information, things that we would have never known about in prior years. Now we know about everything on the earth. People are crying out injustice in one place and crying out justice in another place, and we don't know who's right and who's wrong. And then when we say, God, where are you? God, I can't hear you. God says, would you turn the TV off? Would you silence that cell phone and leave it in the other room? You don't have to look at it to see what time it is every five seconds. See if there's a notification. Would you just calm yourself down? Would you get alone? Would you get quiet? Would you get bored? Would you just... Tune out the distractions. And just let God 
whisper. Just past the point of awkward is the place where God's going to start speaking to you. You can hear his voice. Acts 22, 15, for you'll be his witness to all men of what you have seen and what you've heard. God commissions you. He sends you out in his harvest fields. When you've seen God, when you've heard God, you can't help but be changed. You can't help but testify, this is what God has done in my life. See, that's why when Paul was caught, that moment he turned it around, he started casting the net. He started fishing for men. See, Paul goes on to describe how the plot against him was revealed and that the Lord sent him to minister to the Gentiles. And it's at this point that the crowd goes crazy. Away with him, away with him, away with him. You know, when you meet up with Jesus, you can know the will of God. You can see him for who he is. He's just. And you can hear directly from him. And you can know your calling and your purpose. You may not be called to be an apostle to the Gentiles like Paul was. But you might be called to be a minister in your home. You might be called to be a minister in the community. You might be called to be the witness and a testimony on your job. You might be called to politics or education. You might be called to the arts and the entertainment industry. You might be called to government. You might be called to administration. You might be called to something that, that blessed your life when you were younger, and now you can turn around and be a blessing in that area. But whatever it is, where has God sent you? What is your calling, and what is the will of God for your life? See, when you stick to God's plan, he will send you as a laborer into his harvest field to the divine appointments that he's laid out for your life. You are the full-time minister of the gospel. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. You are the body of Christ. You are the mouthpiece that God wants to use to declare the will and the counsel of God. Your testimony has power. It's not just your past. It's not just your mistakes. No, it's what God has done in your life that now you can deliver the life of God to someone else to catch them. You got to stand in Christ. You got to speak their language and you got to stick to God's plan. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.